Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Martin Perlmutter. Martin is the president and co-founder of Speaker Spotlight, and he's an unapologetic idealist. He's passionate about people and ideas. And after more than 20 years in the speaking industry, he believes more than ever that a great speech can be the impetus for action and a catalyst for change. Prior to co-founding Speaker Spotlight, Martin was a corporate lawyer at a prestigious international law firm. While he realized early in his career that he needed to do something more entrepreneurial, he'd learned some incredibly valuable best practices that have shaped his approach to client service and business management. Martin's views on the speaking industry have been reported in television and print media and published in over 60 countries. He's been a guest lecturer at colleges and universities and was a keynote speaker at the Public Words Speaker Forum at the Center for Public Leadership at Harvard's Kennedy School in Cambridge. So welcome to the podcast, Martin. I'm delighted to have you here. Thanks, Ursula. Great to be here. So tell me what drew you from corporate law? What drew you? I understand your your business partner is your wife, Farah, and That's the, right. the, yep. the two of you started this speaking bureau. How did you come from corporate law to this? Yeah, well, it's it's a long story. It could take up the entire uh, podcast alone, <laughs> so I won't I won't do that to you and your listeners. But um, uh, to make a very long story short, so I was practicing law and uh, wasn't loving it, to, to put it uh, uh, mildly. Um, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was 25 at the time, and my wife we we just got married. Um, she was working in marketing and advertising and public relations. She she loved that field, but didn't necessarily love where she was doing it. And we kind of stumbled into this idea uh, uh, based uh, on actually Farah's uncle, who was doing some speaking and wanted uh, Farah to help him sort of market uh, his uh, his workshops and his seminars. And that's kind of how we stumbled into it hmm. and then uh, started investigating it further and, and, and discovered that there were a lot of things that, uh, that attracted us uh, to this field. That's great. I... Uh... You're, I mean, speaking bureaus, there are a number of them out there, but you've managed to attract an incredibly prestigious list, all the way from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to um, folks like Michael J. Fox and Kevin O'Leary, one of the one of the dragons, which uh, people in the audience may know. So what is it about your Speakers Bureau that has managed to attract these people, and, and how are you doing things in a way that is unique? Um, that's a great question. Um, thank you for that. So, um, you know, I, I think from the very beginning when we started, you know, when, when we, when we started out, we really didn't know what we were doing to be completely honest. Um, we were new to the industry. 
Uh, we were new to business in general. Uh, we were young. We were naive. Um, but those were also great attributes, I think. And um, <laughs> so we really, you know, we really delved in and, and tried to learn as much as we can about the industry. And, you know, one of the things that we just instinctively did was just try to get out their network and start building relationships. And we knew that that, that would take time. But um, uh, we really had a long view for, for the business. So we, we just, you know, put ourselves out there, um, didn't, you know, try to hide who we were, or what we believed in. And it took a while to get, to get the word out. But I think, you know, by taking this long, longer term approach and not trying to rush things, we got to know people, they got to know us and, um, a lot of referrals, um, you know, uh, led to, to opportunities. For example, you mentioned that our now Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, we represented him before he went into politics. Um, you know, that was a referral um, that someone had referred him to us years ago. And, um, and, I th- and then when we met with him, you know, there was a strong alignment of values. And, and that's been the case for a lot of the people we work with. We found that, um, you know, that people who are driven by values seem to attract uh, people of similar beliefs and ideas and values. So, so that was a big part of it. But you know, I, I like to think that it, that it was a, it's been a combination of uh, a lot of hard work, certainly um, a tremendous amount of luck, and and what I would call the kindness of strangers over the years. Just <laughs> you know, especially early on, looking out for us, making introductions, helping us out when really they there wasn't a whole lot in it for them. Well, and you mentioned the, you know, sort of being young and naive. That can really be a huge advantage because you don't know what you're, you supposedly can't do. And so you just do it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we made some really dumb mistakes, but, but again, if you, if you have a preconceived notion of how, how you start a business, how you run a speakers bureau, you know, you tend to play it quite safe and do sure. things the same as everybody else. And so because we really didn't know what we were doing, we, we, we tried some things, some things worked, uh, some things not so much. So you, you know, but you have to make mistakes, I think. And, and, uh, you just try not to make any ones that are big enough to cost you <laughs> the entire business. But, you know, we, we learned from those and, uh, and figured out, you know, what was working and what wasn't and, and started focusing more and more on the things that seemed to be working and just tried a lot of different things that maybe other, other speaker bureaus weren't, weren't doing. And, uh, and some of them, you know, again, really turned out to work well for us and, and helped us get the business off the ground and grow it. Well, you mentioned that you often have this connection with your clients, your speaking clients around an alignment of values. And this is something that I ask on the podcast um, each time, because I believe that any impact that you have is deeply grounded in what you hold dear, what you hold is most important. And um, that whether consciously or unconsciously, your values affect how you approach things and the impact that you have. So could you talk a little bit about what your values are for your business and um, how you see the, those playing out in your marketing and the way that you connect with clients, how you work with your team. Absolutely. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. You said sort of consciously and, and, and unconsciously. And, you know, in the early days, it was very much unconscious. We didn't write out a value statement or anything like that. It was really just the, the business was an extension of, of us. And so 
you know, the things that I guess we the values that were instilled in us from the time we were young um, were, the, you know, what we focused on. And, and so, you know, treating people with respect, treating people well in the way maybe they want to be treated, um, uh, you know, b- focusing on relationships and, and building trust and those types of things. Um, that seemed to, you know, that, that was just an extension of us. And we seemed to attract people who believed in the same things. Um, you know, we decided actually early on, and, and this would be to the horror of my former um, legal or law colleagues, but we decided <laughs> early on not, not to have um, overarching contracts with any of our speakers. So while every speaking engagement would obviously need a contract, otherwise it would be chaos, the, the overarching relationships were b- built on handshakes wow. and a foundation of trust. And we found that there were some people who were really attracted to that, and when they heard that they didn't have to sign a contract to work with us, it reaffirmed that we were the kind of people that they wanted to do business with. And, and so, you know, so in the early days it was very much unconscious and it was really an extension of, of ourselves. Um, as the business started to grow and we started to hire people and, and build a team, um, it took us a while, but we, we learned um, after a little while that that was one of the most important, if not the most important thing to look for in hiring people. You know, obviously people need to have the right skill set to do a particular job. So whether we were hiring someone for, you know, for accounting or for, um, you know, logistics and administration or for sales and marketing, obviously the skill sets would be different for those jobs, Mm -hmm. but the values that the person had, um, we found when they aligned with, with our values and the values of the company, those tended to be the best hires. And so, um, so we learned that, um, fairly early on. And, uh, and then at, as the business began to grow, we realized as we got to, you know, beyond four or five, six people, um, we really needed to state what our values are, what things that we believed in and, and, and put most importance in, because a lot of it was just sort of in our head and, and it was just sort of organically, you know, um, uh, sort of spread to, to, to our team, but we really had to more consciously uh, articulate and share those. And, um, you know, I believe that like with a, with a culture, for example, of a company or an organization, you know, you can build, I believe that every organization has a culture, whether they realize it or not, or whether they want one sure. or not. Yeah. And, and so it's a question of, you know, do you build a culture by, by design or by default? And so, you know, as the company began to grow and we sort of, you know, reached maybe five or six employees, we realized, um, no, we need to we need to build uh, a culture by design, and so we need to clearly articulate our values, the things that we believe in, and um, and so initially we just communicated that with our team internally, um, which was very helpful and powerful. And then one day we decided, you know what, these are the things we believe in so strongly, we should really tell everybody. So we put them on our website, for instance, and and just you know put them out there and said these are the things that we believe in, and um, and. It's amazing how many uh, people over the years, uh, in some cases, some very high-profile speakers said, you know, I looked at your website, I, I read your values, and, I, and those really resonated with me. Mm. And so, you know, so that's, so we just sort of put it out, out there now and wear it on our sleeves very proudly. And, and yeah. uh, it's a big part of who we are and what we do. Yeah, that's great. Well, in the, in the context of those values, I mean, it, it's that you're, the fact that you're, Speaking openly about them is a great way of connecting with potential clients because they'll see that resonance, they'll see that alignment, and and you'll draw the people to you that are going to be most aligned, which is great. 
Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. You know, it's funny too that that um, for some reason you know, things seem to just go more smoothly uh, for whatever reason when 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 there is that alignment. And and some things are unexplainable, like they don't even make sense. Like for example, you know, there's a speaker we work with, and he's super busy, and and we may call to see if he's available on a date, and it may turn out that he's you know. Uh, booked, you know, virtually every other day that month, except the one day that we call, <laughs> uh, and he happens to be available. And then there's sometimes we'll call someone, and it always seem a bit out of sync. <laughs> and you know, and the one day we're asking about is the one day that month they're not available. So it's just there's weird things that sometimes happen, and you can't necessarily explain them. But um, yeah, it uh, it's funny how the universe can work like that. Sometimes. Right? Yeah, there's an energy to it where things just line up when it's when it's a, a good connection that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, um, I mean, one of the things I, I learned about you is that you really see speaking as um, a catalyst for change. And I, I, I agree. I think it's a, it can be an incredibly important way that speakers can influence and um, really open people's minds up to possibilities. Is, is that the main way that you see your, your business having an impact in the in the larger world, or are there other yeah, things that you see? That's the primary way. I mean, I, I really believe that you know it, it's um, you know, th- that we have this tremendous opportunity to have an impact um, through our, our speakers and the, and the presentations that they deliver. And so, you know that that is probably the biggest impact that we can have. And we always you know look at what we do. We don't want to be seen as slot fillers, right? Someone's got an hour slot to fill, so they call us. Right. It tests. It's all about behavior change and and um, and the impact that the speakers can have. I mean, beyond that, I guess there's a couple of other ways that that I think that we have impact um, with our clients. One is to just try to help make their jobs easier and go more smoothly and help them make better buying decisions. Um, you know, that's a big part of it. So. Um, you know, when we're working with a particular conference organizer or event planner, you know, it's overwhelming the number of options. Someone can Google, you know, the speaker on any given topic, and there's hundreds if not thousands of, 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 of uh, websites and names that come up. So, our, you know, our job is to really help them narrow down the that pool of potential speakers and help them make the best possible decision. Um, so that's, you know, hopefully can save our clients time and, and energy and stress and everything else. Um, and then, you know, handling a lot of the arrangements and logistical arrangements leading right up to the day of the event. So I think that that's, you know, a, a, certainly a big part of our job is is to just make our clients' lives easier and better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then the third um, third thing, third way I think that we have impact is, you know, from the day we started our business, we decided that we wanted to try to impact the community uh as well beyond us. So the community that we live and work in, and in fact, even beyond that if possible. So, um, so we always, um, had relationships with various uh, charities and, um, uh, over the years, you know, we've done a, a lot of different things for various, various charities and organizations, both in the, in, in and around where we work and also in, you know, in, in, um, on a global scale as well. And you know, I, I just think that as as an entrepreneur, you know, we do have an obligation to not just our own company and and our employees and our uh, our clients, but actually to try to have an impact just on the world in general. And there's a great opportunity for business people and professionals and entrepreneurs in particular to do that. So we've we've just partnered with different different organizations over the years that we really feel strongly about the work that they're doing, and and in our small way, try to help them just do a little bit more. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, this whole topic of impact to me is about not just how you and I as entrepreneurs are um, impacting things within the business, but also how we impacting people in the larger world. And uh, I, I, what what particular organizations really draw your your attention and energy these days in that realm? Yeah, well, we've always really like we've always found that organizations that um, support young people, education um, has certainly been been a big one. So, Pathways to Education, for instance, is uh, is an organization that um, started here in Toronto, um, now has national scope, and um, it, 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 it's an amazing organization. It was started by a single person who was a public health nurse in, in a in a uh, difficult neighborhood in Toronto, and found that by the time um, she would see young people in in the in the um, healthcare setting, it, all she could do is basically put a bandaid on a pro- bigger problem, right. and sort of literally and figuratively. And so, um, realized through her research that you know education was actually the root cause of a lot of the problems, and if, if a young person could get proper access to education and the tools uh, to help them succeed and finish high school and go on to post-secondary education, then their life would be significantly different. Um, And there's actually a huge economic uh, benefit to it as well. Um, So it's not just sort of the right thing to do. It's actually beneficial for all parts of society. Mm -hmm. So that was an organization we we partnered with uh, probably about eight or nine years ago now, and and it's really grown, you know, tremendously. And the impact that they're having is amazing. So that's, you know, that's one. Another one that we love is um, uh, is an organization called Kiva, which um, mm-hmm. is uh, a micro lending uh, right. site, and um, and that you know the idea of supporting entrepreneurs in the developing world is exciting. And and by you know relatively small amounts of of money, you know, and and their loans, by the way, they're not even. Uh, donations. These are loans to um, to to micro entrepreneurs. Um, you know, you can really help them get their business off the ground. And it might be a you know a, a you know a food stand in a market somewhere, or you know it might be uh, you know a crafts business. It could be you know just about anything. And and it's just amazing reading just reading their stories. In many cases, is just inspiring to see what people are doing and the ingenuity that people have. And in many cases, you know, just for just with a little bit of funding, they can get that off the ground. Yeah. Kiva is an amazing organization. I've, I've contributed to them as well through my business. And I, I think yeah. they're, it's extraordinary how these, these tiny, to us, seemingly tiny investments can make such a huge difference. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's and, uh, and then, the, you know, the ripple effect of these things, you know, who knows what those are, but uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's pretty exciting to, to try to help out in a small way with, with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. in, in this, um, for you personally, how has this kind of evolved as, uh, I mean, you're, you're seeing your business, the primary impact being as a catalyst for change. Is that something that has always been with you or is it something that's evolved over time for you? I think it's definitely evolved over time. Um, you know, when, when, when we first started the business, the thing that attracted it to, attracted me to it were that, you know, I've always liked people, you know, I enjoy uh, learning about new people and from new people and, and just, you know, so I'm fairly sociable in that way and ideas, you know, I'm a big reader and I just love learning new things. So the, the, you know, this is really a business that's all about people and ideas and that's what sort of attracted me to it in the first place. And, and, uh, 
you know, just the idea that I could read a book by someone and be able to call them up and ask them about it and help them get their message out, you know, through, through the spoken word. Um, that, that was the, that was the, um, attraction early on. Once we got going, um, I realized the impact that, you know, a great speaker can have when they're in front of the right audience. Mm-hmm. And that became sort of the driving force more than anything else. So it kind of, it has certainly evolved. And then, you know, just understanding how a, a, a speech or a speaker can have the biggest impact has evolved. So, you know, when someone goes in and does a keynote presentation for 45 minutes or an hour, there's only so much they can do. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an idealist, as you said in the introduction, but I'm not Pollyannish. I don't think that people are going to walk out and their entire life is going to be changed after seeing a speaker for 45 minutes or an hour. But I do think that it can plant some important seeds, and then it's up to people to take that and, and, and put, implement it into their life, whether it's their, you know, their work life, their, their home life, and their, their family, or in their community. Um, so there's... You know, so that, you know, understanding more about how the impact um, can really stick and, and, and last um, sort of helped us evolve the business a little bit where we have a, a learning and development division as well, which is, you know, really when sometimes when a speaker goes in and there's not a lot of speakers who can do this, but they may deliver a keynote and may have a lot more that they can offer right. to that client in terms of training and and. and and so we know that, you know, if, if an organization is really serious about implementing the learning that they heard in a keynote, then there's this opportunity to go much deeper and have a much bigger impact. So that's a really exciting part of the business as well, um, where, um, you know, that we can really have, and we've, we've seen this with, with some clients, where we can really have a lasting impact, hopefully, on the organization and on the people uh, working there and the people that they serve. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I mean, that's a powerful combination when a speaker can come in and also do kind of smaller group or, or workshop style. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well. And then, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's incredible, you know, that, and, and that's, you know, it, we know that learning is much more likely to stick if it's reinforced over right. time and, and so forth. So we're always just looking at new ways to try to help uh, that happen, see, see how we can help make that happen. Sure. Is this something that you talk with your conference organizer clients about, this sort of kind of larger impact that you see yourselves having, or is it is it more of a functional kind of conversation in building those relationships? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, it, it depends. So there are some clients, some meeting uh planners and conference organizers and they just want to get the speaker booked like they, they you know they're they're time poor they don't have a, you know and so it's really like you know let's just find the person and get it booked and 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 move on which is fine um but i do find that a lot actually a lot of a lot of clients do want to get into a discussion more of what's what impact is this going to have and i actually think that in recommending speaker for an event i mean i, I think that, that that's actually the thing that we should all be focusing on. So sometimes what happens is a, a client reaches out to us and they have a conference and there's a particular theme or topic that they want the focus to be on. And, and sometimes it's just based on a, you know, catchphrase, right? So there's, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so understanding more about, well, what does that mean? I mean, leadership can mean different things to different people, for example. Um, so, you know, one of the questions I love asking um, and learning about is, you know, number one, like, why is this event even happening? You know, what, what, what are you, what do you want to accomplish with it? And specifically when that speaker walks off the stage or, 
you know, finish their presentation and the people there leave that room and leave that event and go back to their, their, their work, uh, their daily lives. Um, you know, what is it that you want them to have learned and, uh, felt? And most importantly, you know, what do you want them to do differently as a result? And I think that if you sort of start, it's a kind of Stephen Covey, right? Begin with the end in mind type of thing. But I think if you start with that end in mind and work your way backwards, it actually helps you find uh, better options uh, because all of a sudden, you know, what may have started out as a speaker on leadership may turn out to be actually something a little bit different. And mm-hmm. the, the the objective might be actually uh, different than, than initially thought. So. You know, I think that that's a really good way, starting with that end in mind, thinking about what the impact is that you want to have on that group and how you want them to hopefully, you know, change uh, as a result of hearing that speaker and then uh, working backwards to find the best person based on that. Yeah. Well, one of uh, my guests on the podcast and someone that I've personally worked with in developing my own speaking is, uh, uh, her name is Gail Larson. She wrote a book called Transformative Speaking and her transformational speaking, I think. In any case, she uh, shares your view. It's really quite an extraordinary process of exploring how you can move from, you know, the uh, ostensible, the, the, the kind of surface-looking um, purpose of the talk and then really delve into it deeper and, and develop something even greater within the context of that, uh, even that initial topic. So... Um, yeah. yeah, it's a powerful okay. process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in in the time that you've been, you've had this business and you've been working with, uh, you've, you've started off doing almost everything. Uh, you and Farah worked on, on every aspect of the business together. Mm-hmm. How have things evolved for you in terms of how you use your own time and energy? What What are you finding is now your best use of time and energy? That is probably the most important question for I think any <laughs> any entrepreneur or anyone maybe to try to answer. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a good question and it's constantly evolving. So, um, you know, in the early days, it was it was just business development. You know, I'd never had a sales job in my life before starting the business, but I guess it was sort of pure sort of sales, if you will, and just getting out there and meeting people and learning about the business and trying to make those connections and, and get things off the ground. And once things, you know, started to get rolling and, um, you know, it, but, you know, it, it started to evolve, but certainly for the first three, four, five years, it was, you know, 99% sales and business development. Mm-hmm. Um, then, um, as the team started to grow, I realized that my role needed to change and, and, you know, I needed to be more of a leader and a mentor and, and coach and so forth. So um, started trying to, to, to do more of that. And that was not an easy shift because I was just so used to being like the doer, right? The person who does the job, does the right. work, not necessarily the one who encourages other people to do it. And, um, but, you know, it, it's, it, you know, over time we realized that that's the only way the business is going to grow and evolve and, and, and flourish. And so, um, you know, I've been trying to do a better and better job of that over the years. And it's a constant work in progress and, and, uh, uh, but I think I've gotten better at it over time. And, um, you know, and then also, you know, again, as the, as the company grew, then also really being more strategic and, and, and where do we want to take this and, and what direction does it need to go and setting that course and then trying to ensure that everybody's on board and knows where that is and where we're going and what we're trying to do and how we're, we're going to get there and, you know, and being 
again, more taking on more of a leadership role. Um, the other thing too is that you know when we started, we were um, we were younger than pretty much everybody in the industry, and certainly <laughs> than any younger than any of our speakers. Mm-hmm. So you know it was uh, it was an advantage in some ways, certainly, but. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly felt like this young upstart all the time. And, you know, all of a sudden one day you open your eyes and you realize very often you're the oldest person in the room <laughs> and people are looking to you as the, you know, the person who's been in the industry the longest. And so, um, so it's taken me a while to get my head around that. And I realized, in fact, I was at a meeting yesterday and, um, there was about a dozen of our speakers there. And I think I was probably older than at least 10 or 11 out of the 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've been doing this for 22 years. There's a couple of speakers there who were, um, one might have still been in diapers when we started the business. <laughs> one was certainly in, in uh, you know, in grade school. So, you know, we've been doing this a long time. And, 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 uh, and so I think people, you know, may see us more and more as, you know, the, the experts and, and, and uh, which is a good thing. And, um, uh, and, and so I, you know, I, I'm happy to take, you know, we, we trusted advisor is I think the term that I love and, and that's what we try to be to our, our clients and our speakers and, and uh, um, realizing that, you know, we have been doing this for a while and people probably look to us for um, insights, you know, is a nice thing and something that, uh, um, you know, we take on that role gladly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, an amazing shift when you have that, uh, you know, being the the young starter of a business and then moving into this role of uh, really your, your potential mentor for a lot of other people coming into this mm-hmm. arena too. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that you, um, uh, well, many people experience in the course of this work where they're excited about what they're doing, they're passionate about it. They really want to have that, impact that that really making a difference in the world and you can get so caught up in that that sometimes you don't look after yourself very well and as you know the if you can't maintain your own energy then you can't main, continue to have impact are there things that you do to help you maintain your own self-care so that your energy level is maintained and you can keep going uh, caffeine. <laughs> uh, no, probably not. I, I don't do as good a job of this as I should. And I, I, I try to, it's actually something I've very consciously focused on more in the last few years, and especially having young kids. And we started the business and had, had, you know, two kids shortly thereafter. So you're just, you know, you, your days are long and you don't have a lot of time for yourself or for breaks. But, um, you know, I, I've, I found that, um, you know, just having some, uh, some, outside interest. So I'm a big reader and most of what I read is actually not our speakers books, even though most of our speakers are authors mm-hmm. and I do try to read as many of those as I can. I read just for pure enjoyment, you know, novels and, and, uh, you know, just, uh, things that have nothing to do with work. I'm a big music fan. So I listen to a lot of music. I go to concerts and I, that's just a way to get away and, and just sort of, you know, I don't get overly stressed out with work, but it's just a nice escape. And just, you know, I, I, you know, I try to exercise regularly, but I actually find that um, just walking is probably the best thing that I can do for myself. So, you know, it, 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 much of the days I spend, like many people, sitting at a desk and, and it's quite a sedentary sort of lifestyle. So if I've been sitting most of the day, at least try to get out at lunch, walk around, um, you know, in the evening, um, you know, it, go for a walk with my kids, with my wife, I have a few walking pals that, uh, friends that, you know, sometimes meet up or just by myself. And, um, I actually feel that that is a, 
just a great way to just clear your head, get some air, and um, uh, you know, and and it, it, it's amazing how good you feel after just you know a twenty or thirty minute brisk walk. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's rejuvenating. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, I think people can get the wrong idea about a successful business that it's this, you know, smooth path, this glide up into, uh, you know, kind of a stratosphere of, of great success. And of course, we all run into obstacles and barriers. Is there a particular situation you can think of where you were you came up against something that was particularly challenging and you were able to move through that. I always think it's helpful for people to, to hear, well, yeah, other people have these issues and they were able to work through it. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, one thing I'd say is it's just, it's obstacle after obstacle, right? It's just when you think things are going smoothly and predictably um, some type of curveball gets thrown at you. So, you know, that's one thing I learned early on is just like, if you want smooth predictability, this is not the lifestyle <laughs> for you. So and just embracing it. And that's the thing that, you know, we worked with, a, with Reuben Hurricane Carter for, for years. Uh, he passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago, but he was a boxer who was wrongfully convicted of a triple homicide, spent 22 years in prison mm -hmm. for a crime he didn't commit. And he would always talk about, you know, life is an obstacle course, right? So obstacles are just placed in front of you and you have to go over them or go around them or, you know, but uh, that's just, that's just life. Um, there's one incident that, uh, that actually does stand out a little bit. Um, and uh, it's, so it, when we were about five years into our business. So it was still relatively young and we had been growing kind of steadily, but we were a small company. We we're a four or five person company. Um, but we had a tiny little office. Um, we'd moved it out of the house and, and had a little office downtown and there was just no room. Like it was, we were all sort of crammed into one space. So we decided, you know, we were going to take on some more office space and we were looking around and, and found a nice space that was uh, but three size, three times the size of what we had and about eight times the rent. Like it was a big jump for us. Mm -hmm. And so we, we looked at a lot of space. We found this one. We loved it. We agreed to take it. They sent us the lease and, um, lease arrived, uh, uh, I think it was on a Monday and, um, I meant to sign it that day, but I didn't. So I was sitting on my desk and the next day was actually, um, September 11th, 2001. Mm -hmm. So, um, so everybody of course, who was alive at that time remembers what they were doing. And it was just a horrendous, you know, day and, and something that certainly none of us will forget. And, um, and so obviously there was a huge, you know, human, uh, toll that day, um, from the point of view of our business, um, it was interesting because the phones literally just stopped ringing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the only time the phone actually did ring for the next day or two were people canceling their conferences. So, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of travel stopped. People weren't comfortable flying. Right. Uh, and so it was, you know, call after call of we're canceling, we're canceling, we're canceling. And so it was, you know, it was, you know, pretty unsettling. You know, those are minor problems compared to what some people had to deal with. But, you know, there was a reality of this business that was still quite fledgling and, uh, and then there was this issue of the office and we hadn't signed the lease yet. So we weren't on the hook for it. We could back out of it. And, you know, we talked about it and we thought, you know, maybe we should just hold off and see, you know, what's going to happen and just stay in the space that we've got. And 
you know, we thought about that, but then we said, you know what, this is hopefully going to pass and, and you know, life is going to go on. It's going to be different, but it's going to go on. And so we made the decision to move forward and we signed the lease and we took on the new space. And, and for about the next three to six months, I'd say the, you know, things were pretty shaky in terms of the, the meetings industry economy in general, and just, you know, certainly our business. Um, but we moved into the larger space and then things did come back and, um, we ended up actually outgrowing that space in, in three, we had a five year lease, but we had to move after three years. Oh, wow. Um, so it was interesting because looking back, you know, if we had made the decision not to just sort of stay where we were and just kind of wait and see if things could have turned out differently for us, who mm-hmm. knows, maybe not, but I think we made this decision that we're going to move forward and there are things that are going to happen. Some things are obviously bigger than others, but you know, you've got to be cautious, but at the same time, you know, if you've got a longer term goal, you've you got to sort of, I think, keep, focus on the longer term. And so I think it was important, you know, not just for ourselves, but to our team as well, our little team then, that they saw that we were optimistic despite everything that was happening mm-hmm. and that things were going to be okay. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and in fact, of, of those four initial employees, two of them are still with us, you know, all these years later. So mm-hmm. it's, um, so that was one of those moments where, you know, you do, ha- you, you very clearly have a fork, hit a fork in the road and you can go one way, you can go the other way. And, you know, I'm, glad that we chose the path that we did. Um, and, uh, yeah, sometimes it's, you never know what would happen if you chose a different path, but, uh, yeah. Well, it's a powerful decision in that moment of uncertainty, especially with all, with cancellations happening and not knowing how long that would last. But there's, there's moments like that in a business where you make the non-logical choice and it turns out to be a really, strong impetus to move forward and allow you to grow which uh that's mm-hmm. great to hear yeah, yeah thank you yeah if you were to um share a piece of advice or or an insight with another business owner who's asking themselves how can i have impact how can i make a difference in my business and in the larger world what would you share with them you know, I would say the first thing is to recognize that we all do have impact and sometimes we don't realize it. And so, um, so we're all having an impact, you know, you know, it may be on a broader scale because of the nature of the work we do, or it may just be, you know, the, the, the two or three or four people we interact with every day. Um, you know, the people that, that you see on a regular basis. Um, so I, you know, I, I, um, I, I'm a big believer in that. In fact, I think that the biggest impact we can probably have is on those, you know, three or four people that, that are closest to us. And I'm talking about in the work context. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may just be, you know, the receptionist when you walk in every day that you do or don't say hello to, um, you know, the person that, that, uh, um, you know, maybe does administrative work for you that, um, uh, you know, that, that maybe you don't think as often as you should. I actually think that that can have the biggest impact. And I think that um, there's not too many of us who can have a huge, broad impact based on what we do every day. Um, that may be, you know, the, the uh, you know, people who, who have, you know, huge followings of people or that sort of thing. Uh, you know, some of our speakers can have that because they may get in front of a thousand people on a given day and speak. But most of us don't. And I think that actually... We, we underestimate the impact that we have just through our, our day-to-day life and, uh, and how we treat people. Yeah, I completely agree. There's a way in which we, we can diminish that, and it really is so much around the people that you're, you're with most often, and that's, that's where you can have a really huge impact. 
Yeah. One of our speakers, uh, Dr. John Izzo, uses an example of being on an airplane and um, that yeah, and and having like a little baby on the plane, you know, sitting right in the row right behind them, and um, and people on the plane doing what they can to keep this baby smiling and happy so it doesn't cry. <laughs> right. And and the thing is, like, you can only impact the people within a couple of rows of you, right? But right. if you do, it kind of trickles all the way to the front and back of the plane, right? So <laughs> that's the thing. Like, someone sitting on an on, on an airplane can't necessarily influence people. 20 rows away from them, but they can influence the people within a row or two and that can actually trickle all the way through. So I think that's a good, good sort of metaphor way of thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Martin, thank you for sharing with us today how you've built this business over 22 years with such a strong alignment with your own values and with the values of the people that you work with, both speakers and, and clients as well. And um, your focus on treating people with respect and, and on relationships. It's, uh, it's a really wonderful example of how you can have a lot of impact by following your own values. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Ursula. It was great to speak with you, and uh, I would love to do it again sometime, so just let me know. Great. Yeah, I'd love that too. If, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, so our website is www.speakers.ca. So um, all the information is there. I'd say that's probably the best place to check, and, and there's contact information, or you can read uh, you know, about, uh, about us and, and, more importantly, about some of the great people that we represent there. Wonderful. Thank you, and thank you for the work you're doing in the world. I, I know it's having a big impact. Well, I appreciate that. Nice to hear, and uh, we're still having fun. That's the key. When it's no longer <laughs> fun, it'll be time to do something else. Right. No, that's great. Well, join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.